0: Well, God bless all of you. Thank you all for uh, letting me share uh, in the Mother's Day celebration. All of us have mommies. You ever notice that? All of us uh, came into the world the same way, and uh, I thought it would be very appropriate this morning since uh, we're starting off our week together about uh, the future. We ought to start right where it all started for us, from our mommies. And uh, obviously, Pastor mentioned that we'll be with you guys on Monday and Tuesday night. We're going to have a wonderful um, update on what is happening in our world and how all this is pointing us to a very crucial time to be alive. And it's going to be an exciting time. My whole uh, take on this is that this is something to not be intimidated by, something to be afraid of. This is something to be excited about and anticipating. So, if, uh, if you're one of those kind of people that are freaked out because the New World Order is about ready to take over, don't think that's the angle we're going at. We're thinking Jesus getting ready to take over. And uh, not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for Jesus Christ. And we believe that things are going to get real nasty, but then they're going to get real good. And um, as many of you know, uh, there are some things that are happening right before our very eyes that are indicating, unlike any generation that's ever lived on the face of the planet, that this is uh, a chosen generation. So I sure hope you'll be with us tomorrow night. I guess you all normally have uh, Tuesday night services anyway, because that's your all's midweek service. So we're just asking really one extra night from you. And most people are not doing a whole bunch on Monday night, and I can guarantee you it'll be better than anything on TV on Monday night. Praise God. Um well, you know, is it possible uh to get the uh, landing strip lights off? Is that possible? That would help me a lot. Or are you guys actually videotaping or okay. Uh I just want you to be able to see the screen real real well as we get into this. And uh one of the those phrases that you just absolutely love. That just has a, a nuggeted truth of it in it, it's a it's actually a full poem. you could you could find it online and read it. but the the line that just jumps out in that poem is the hand that rocks the cradle, rules the world. And I want to show that to you this morning for all you dear mothers, and uh, to show some things with you how that this is is truly, more than you will ever realize. Uh, I thought it was worth quoting from our 16th president when he himself said, All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it to my angel mother. And uh, that's a sweet thought, thinking that this is coming from a president of the United States. One of the things I noticed one time as I was reading in the Word, and if you ever get through... Kings and Chronicles, you'll see what I'm talking about. There are a list of the kings of Israel. And in the midst of it, giving some statistics about them, it will, oddly enough, mention the mother's name. And uh, just, just save yourself a little bit of a trouble and notice any time the Bible takes time to talk about something then you need to pay attention. It has to be important. And this is especially true when you look at names. Names in in the Bible are very significant. All of you know that uh, people have had their names changed in the Bible because of some event that took place because it represented something. It's very important how you name your children because you will label them for the rest of their life, what their name means. Well, I found it interesting... As I was reading one time, going through the Kings and through the Chronicles, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, as it would list the names of the kings, it would list the mother's name. And it would say, And so and so did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Or it would say, So and so did that which is good in the sight of the Lord. And his mother's name was, and they'd mention the mother's name. It, wouldn't, it would never say the daddy's name. I mean, it might have reference to it, but it was always directly connected to the son, the king, with the mother. As a result, and there's a ton of them, and we're just going to go through just a, a short handful of them, I want to share with you some examples of this, and I want you to see, ladies, moms, if you can see in the Bible a correlation between the character that a mother has and how it causes a child to turn out either good or bad. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Second Kings, we'll start with this one. In the 20th and 7th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, began uh, Azahiah, the son of uh, Amaziah, king of Judah, to reign. 16 years old was he when he began to reign. Now think, a 16-year-old king pretty impressive. It says, and he reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. That's pretty remarkable. That's something to be commended about. But notice what it says. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was what? Right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Now the name Jechaliah means God will enable, that's her name, it means to render one capable or able for some task. And really when I saw that immediately, and, and, and all I was doing is I was reading that, I was thinking, that's really interesting because the Bible says that this kid turned out great that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he had a 52-year reign starting as a 16-year-old. When most of our kids are just starting to learn how to drive, this guy's become a king. And there's got to be some correlation between the mommy and this. Well, obviously, when you look at this mother, you find that this mother had a characteristic that was pumped into this little boy that made him such a great man of God. And I want you to listen to this. Mothers should instill in her children the kind of faith that teaches them that God will enable them and give them the capability to handle any task that comes their way. Amen? Do you all know that every one of you mothers are right now teaching your little child, your little son or daughter, your teenager, what God is going to be able to do for the rest of their life. And that is entirely left up, sad to say, sometimes to the kind of expression that a mother will give to her child. Because what happens is that if you will teach your child, no matter what we face, no matter if it's a divorce in your home, if it's a loss of, of uh, one of the siblings, if it's, um, if it's a tragedy, a sickness, a disease, um, um, any kind of thing you can name. If it's a, a loss of job or whatever you can name, if you will give your child a, a pattern that says, you know what? God is going to enable us. God is going to give us the capability to handle this. And this is exactly what The mother of Timothy did. I don't know how many of you remember reading uh, in 1 Timothy a very interesting little statement. Now, this keep in mind, this is the kid that the Apostle Paul had traveling with him as a young man, probably in his 20s, and he handed over the probably most powerful church in the New Testament era. It was the church at Ephesus. If you've ever read the book of Ephesians, you know how meaty of a book that is? Imagine what kind of pastor was in that position. What was Timothy? And notice what it says about him. And when I call to remembrance, this is Paul writing to Timothy as he's pastoring that church at Ephesus. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, the word there means it's not pretentious, it's not fake, it's real, it's genuine, the kind of faith, now what's this, that that is in thee, see, it was in Timothy. He noticed that he had this unfeigned faith, this sincere faith. Now watch what he says, though. Which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and in thy mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Now I want you to notice it It trickled down. The result was mommy gave it to To Timothy and mommy got it from her mommy and that that genuine faith now let me tell you when you consider the fact that your son and your daughter are to be given certain characteristics what is going to make that child turn out to be a world changer what's going to make that child turn out to be right in the sight of the Lord one of the absolute most important things you as a mother have at your disposal is to teach your child how to believe that God is able and that God will give them the enabling power to face whatever they want to face, whatever they will face in life. Let me tell you something, when your son is 50 years old and going through a tragedy in his own life, he's going to have to lean back on what he learned when you were 50 years old. Or maybe what he was learning when he was 50 weeks old. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The fact of the matter is, the Bible makes it clear that what's true for the good is also true for the bad. Let me show you the reverse side of this. It says in 1 Kings 15 Now, in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Now, listen to the statement. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Not not a real long reign there. His mother's name was Micah, the daughter of Abishalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. Now notice it said that his mother's name was associated with how the kid turned out. And the name of the mother is very revealing. It means simply depression. That's her name, means depression. And did you know folks, I don't know how many of you have considered this, but a recent um, study has been done on depression in America, and it is becoming a serious problem among children. Matter of fact, it was only a few years ago—some well, ten years ago now—that UCLA psychiatrist had had revealed a study where she had had uh, studied 800 women and found out that 20% of those children born to depressed mothers started having depression by the time they were 10. Now, on the other hand. By contrast, depression only occurred in 10% of the kids under 10 born to women who had not been depressed. Children of depressed moms also had double the anxiety disorder. Now, what can, what can be said about that? I mean, when you look at that, the statistics showed double the amount. Well, the fact of the matter is depression, just the very nature of depression, is that it's contagious. And when you consider the fact that a mother walking around in depression is actually giving that same depression to her mother, maybe it's time to start working on the depression, mom. Matter of fact, there's probably some of you here right now that deal with depression, and you don't know how much damage this is doing to your children. It's like a virus. It has the ability to affect the system. And as a result, passing that thing on from one generation to the other. The thing that I want you to notice, though, is that the scripture says that this, as in this boy's case, that this depression kept his heart from being perfect with the Lord. Now, let me just tell you, all of us have times of depression. That's That's not what I'm talking about here. And we're not talking about clinical depression, which is a a medical situation. But we're talking about something that, as a whole, needs to be dealt with in in a way that God has given us an answer. How many know that God's given us an answer to every situation in our life? including depression, and I want to give you, and this is not in any way considered to be an in-depth study of this, but I just want to give you three examples from the Bible how you can deal with your depression, and look at this, Psalms 42 verse 5, why art thou cast down, O my soul? That's depression. Depression is the soul, the emotion being cast down, and David's asking himself, why are you depressed? He says, and why art thou disquieted in me? Why are you in this state? Folks, let me tell you something. Every once in a while, mom, and this includes dad too, or anybody, young people, it's important every once in a while to talk to yourself, okay, and talk to yourself about where you're at spiritually. And he says, why are you in this condition? Obviously, there's an answer to this, a follow-up. He says, hope thou in God, and I, for I yet, I'm sorry, for I shall yet praise him, now listen to the statement, for the help of his countenance. You know, it's, it's a very, there's a ton of truth in that little statement. He says, I am going to praise God for the help that comes from the shine off of his face, his countenance. Now, there's a hope there. Now, watch this, because that almost is exactly what it says again in Psalm 71. It says, but I will hope continually and yet praise thee more and more. There's a, there's a little lesson learned from there. Number one, Mom, is that you need to develop an attitude of hope by simply praising God. See, if you if you're in depression, you know what your problem is you got your focus the wrong direction. If you would start lifting up your hope in the advancement by praising God ahead of time, you will find out that your depression is not going to lag on you so long. Matter of fact, if you'll start dealing with it, you'll find out that it's not one of those things that has been passed down to you and the next generation, next generation. It could be cut off. It could be stopped. Let me give you another verse. Psalm 61, verse 2. For the end of the earth, I'm sorry, from the end of the earth, will I, now what's this statement? Will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed? That's what depression is. Your heart gets overwhelmed. You start worrying about the situation what you're going through, the current thing that you're facing, and your heart gets overwhelmed. Jesus warned about this. Don't allow your hearts to be overcharged with all this stuff he talks about and being overwhelmed. He says, now watch. I cried unto thee when, when my heart is overwhelmed, and then it says a little statement on the end of it, and anybody that goes to this church, I've heard this phrase before, Let lead me to the what? rock that is higher than I. Now, there is a solid rock, right? Every time you go to this church, you're being reminded that this church is based on a solid rock, and that rock is a whole lot higher than you. It's a whole lot bigger than you. It's a whole lot more stable than you. And so when you get to the place that depression comes on, you need to learn to cry to the rock. Cry to the one that is higher than you. Don't don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed. Amen? This is just a little side issue. We're on a little rabbit trail for a second. We'll come back to our message in a moment. And then number three is Psalms 27. He says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Now watch this. Some of you in depression, moms, I'm talking to you. Some of you in depression, you know what your problem is. You have stopped believing the goodness of the Lord. And it goes on to say, unless I had believed in the goodness of the Lord, I would have fainted in the land of the living. <clears throat> wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. See, there's the problem. Today we have way too many moms that have not taken the time to wait on the Lord. If you're in depression. One of the best things that could do for you is to just turn the stupid television off, get away from all the distractions, get somewhere where you can actually meditate on the goodness of God and sit there and wait and see if God doesn't show up with some courage for you. Because really, if you'll wait for the goodness of the Lord, you're going to find out you're going to have the courage. When David went up against that giant, he knew that God had to be his resource. You know, there's a neat uh, book out called Pilgrim's Progress. And in the in the story of Pilgrim, as he's making his journey, it's an allegory, a, a very great story, 100% biblically based. And if you're into stuff like Lord of the Rings and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you need to get away from all that pagan stuff and start getting Christian in it. And, and this is that example. This To me, this is an alternative to all that stuff. And what happens, Christian, pilgrim, gets into a mess. And he gets beaten by this giant of despair. And this giant despair gets him and literally beats him to death day after day. And finally, he's in this state and he gives up hope that God's... God's forsaken him. God's given up on him, and it's hopeless, and there's no way out. But you know what? He had to wait, and he started looking at, for the goodness of the Lord. And there's some of you here right now really need to hear this. This is for you right now as a mother. You have allowed yourself to go way too long on your own strength and on your own ability and on your own knowledge and on your own power. It is time for you to wait on the Lord. And for his strength, like he'll you'll mount up with wings as eagles, the scripture says. You'll run and you'll not be weary. You'll walk and you won't faint. Amen? Amen? All right. Well, that was a little side issue. Let's get back to the this other one. Okay. Second Kings chapter 12, we're introduced to the next king. It said, In the seventh year, Jehu, Joash, began to reign, and forty years reigned he in Jerusalem. Kind of an impressive reign there. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba, and Joash did that which was what? Okay, so he was a good guy. <clears throat> and notice it says, his mother's name is really an interesting. It means a female gazelle. And actually, the, the, if you get the strongs out, it says this, a small, swift, graceful antelope of Africa and Asia having luxurious eyes. That's kind of an interesting definition for a name there. But you know what that is? That represents a mother of inspiration. You say, well, what do you mean there? Well, you know, uh, that's what they actually look at. That's um, You say, well, that's... Are you trying to say... But, you know, notice she's wearing mascara there and makeup. Have <laughs> you notice that? Notice the little fake eyelashes she's wearing. Okay? Those luxurious eyes that she's got. But... Uh, but, the, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of animals. It's just like um, it, it, the beauty and the swiftness and all this. was an, And, of course, that was a, a sight to see, especially in, in that part of the country. Yep, you know what? The God who created these beautiful, graceful gazelles created the beautiful and graceful mother to inspire in all us as we look to them for our life. And I, I, I found this picture, and it was uh, there, there's other pictures out there that, that would betray this better, but I thought this one was great because did you know, folks, that a newborn only has about 12 to 18 inches of eyesight? They can't see any further than that. And when a mother takes that little child and cuddles it and nurses it, that baby is able to focus in its infant stages on its inspiration. I want you to think about this for a minute. As a mother, when you're holding that little baby in your arm and you're you're just nurturing up to yourself, you are really creating inspiration for that child. And obviously it doesn't stop there. Now, obviously no one can ever, I don't care what, Anyone says a dad can't do that to a kid, okay a mother is some a mothers what did you say, brother? yeah, that's it. I mean they will terrify my children have you know it's like, oh look at this, but you know but you know there's just something about that I mean there's no denying it. The fact of the matter is I don't know how many of you saw the video it's gone viral now it's it's a it's a you probably can't watch it if uh, you have a very sensitive spirit about you at all because what it shows is very tragic. This little teenage girl starts beating this little child and she takes this pillow and starts beating Obviously, you know, you're know you talking of a little baby and its neck is, is being jerked down, thrown forcefully down. Well, of course, this little baby's trying to get up and every time it gets up, she starts slapping it. She reaches over and pinches it, and it's screaming as she's pinching it and pulls its hair, and she just starts kicking it. And uh, in, long story short, uh, as a result of this, she ends, she's in prison now. This girl's in prison. She's spending 18 months in prison. It, but one of the most tragic part of this is that little baby, and, you know, it's, it's at a point where she's, kicking it and all this stuff and and you've heard little babies when they start crying go <laughs> you know that kind of stuff and it's trying to and it just can't even get its breath and it reaches up to its mother and the mother slaps it and it flips the whole child over well you know what folks you see something like that and you gotta think what kind of punishment would be uh, uh, you know fair for such A degrading thing for a a child to do or a mother to do to a 100% defenseless child like that, her own offspring. But you know, here's the tragedy is that people don't understand as a mother and moms, nobody can do this other than you have the ability inside of you to inspire your child or to destroy that inspiration in your child. George Washington said something that probably did not make his wife feel very happy. Okay. He says, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. I, uh, all I am I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Now, let me tell you, this guy ends up being a king. But isn't it funny when you see that? How many times have you watched a football game and the guy makes the touchdown, and then the camera zooms in and he gets on the uh, on the TV? And he, Hi, mom. You know, you're thinking, what about dad? Dad was the one throwing the football with him. Dad was the one taking him all the football games and practices. But it's hi, mom. Let me tell you the reason why. There's something about a child. There's something even about a big, gigantic guy. There's something that makes him say, mom is my inspiration. And, you know, you need to remember that. Sometimes you think you don't do that. You don't think you have that. You don't think you have that influence. You had it from the very moment that child started looking and its eyes met your luxurious eyes. You are that child's inspiration. And you need to remind yourself of that. They may not, you know, it's probably in many cases, the mother's job is probably one of the most unthanked jobs of all time. Yeah, you get your one little day of the, of the year, they get honored. But you know... What you're really doing, though, is an investment. You're investing into a life of inspiration. Amen? Is everybody still with me this morning? Yeah. Okay, and 22 years old was Azahaya. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a as a, uh You know, I'm having a hard time pronouncing. Uh, I was born at a very early age, so you need to understand. Of course, I was born in Kentucky because I wanted to be close to my mom when I was born. But... uh But uh, Ahaziah, thank you. That's what it was. Thank you, sis. Ahaziah, he was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned one year. Wow, big line there. His mother's name was Athaliah. Now, this is going to be important that you listen to the statement. The daughter of uh, Omri, the king of Israel... He walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did what? Evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, this is interesting because her name means God has constrained. Now, let me tell you something. The king ends up doing evil in the sight of the Lord. In all these cases, have you ever noticed now, so far, you got the guy doing good, his mom's name's this. The guy does bad, his mom's name's this. Well, when you consider this, folks, this is a mother that doesn't want her child to be more spiritual than herself. Now, you'll understand what I mean in just a moment. But it's the kind of mother that teaches that God's standards are too strain, constraining. His name, Her name meant God has constrained. Who in the world would come off with an ideal that God is a constrainer of anything great? Well, sure, God constrains things, but it's not anything in, in, in the sense of being bad. And yet there are mothers, and there might even be some sitting here right now who kind of feel this way. They look at Christianity, and they look at what we stand as conservative, Bible-believing churches, and they think we're the one that's just constraining our kid. And I remember when I was a youth pastor before, I went on the road as an evangelist, and I've heard it all my life as an evangelist. That, you know, you're just, too, you're just too strict and you're too constraining on kids and you just need to leave them alone. It's a, you don't want them to do anything. And when you start thinking about this, it's really kind of an odd view. You know the attitude is and it's just a handful of things but it's a, it's like it's the big things you know well uh, you know well you don't want our kids going to dances you don't want them listening to second music you don't watch them let them watch television programs or all the movies you won't let them go on dates and and drink alcohol and you won't let them wear certain kinds of outfits you won't let them say certain kind of words you people are just a bunch of of uh, constrainers well you know what's interesting about this this mom had also had a mom and it just so happened her mom's name was Jezebel, which is very con- uh, interesting because this mom, you know, the one that we're talking about, not Jezebel. Many of you know how wicked Jezebel was, and Jezebel's was the epitome of spiritual backsliddenness. But her daughter, which is this this kid, this kid's mom, she was so wicked that when her son dies, you know what she does? She takes and kills all her grandkids. And there was something that was consumer because, see, you got to understand, this is the royal line through which the pure bloodline of the Messiah would come. This woman was filled with evil. And if you read the story, it's quite amazing. They, they put this child in hiding for six years and... Uh, He was was down to the last chance that would come the lineage of David, the promised Messiah. Well, can you imagine a mother killing all her grandkids just because of her personal ambitions? And yet, you know what, folks? I want you to listen to this. There are mothers who would rather their children be sleeping around instead of going to youth Bible studies or prayer meetings. There are mothers... That are more that aren't bothered if their children are drinking at a party with a bunch of unsaved kids, but they get really upset if they stay too long in church. One of the worst things, that one of the the biggest wake up calls, is when I started realizing that there are actually parents that really don't want their kids to be spiritual. You know, we're trying to have revival in our youth group. We're saying, man, let's get a hold of God. And we got them laying on the floor, talking in tongues, raising their hands, feeling the call in the ministry. And mom walks in and she's ticked off. Hey, it's five minutes after. It's like, well, wait a minute. You were just at the ball game last weekend and it was an hour after and you were cheering it on, and here's your child getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're upset. Are y'all listening to me? Yeah. You know they 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 get mad because uh, you know the kid wants to go to a church every night. Well, you just went to church last night, yeah. But mom, they're they're having the meeting. They're having, but I'm not going to take you no church. You want to go to church? You go find you another ride. I ain't going to go drive no 15 miles to go take you to church. But isn't it sad when it has something else to do with carnality? I mean, you got the van, Mom, packed with all the vans. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, your kid being on the, on the baseball team or soccer team. But let me tell you something, 20 years from now, it's not going to matter. What's going to matter is whether or not that child got a hold of God or not. Amen. You all with me? Well, the fact is, sadly, there's some parents, some mothers that are here even right now, and I don't mean this to make you upset, but it's the truth, some of you very rarely spend time praying for your children. And I'm talking about a real quality time where you ask God to raise that son or that daughter up to be a man or woman of God. And let me just tell you something, it is not Sean's responsibility how your young people turn out. You don't understand that that little hour and a half that they get to spend with the youth pastor is not even close to the balance of the kind of time they spend every single day in front of a television or at the school or getting blasted with all kinds of anti-God rhetoric all the time. Folks, that's why as moms, you have a responsibility to make sure your children are serving Jesus. Amen? And you need to encourage when they're doing it. Matter of fact, there's, there's mothers who um, rarely pray for their unsaved child. You know, maybe some of you mothers sitting here right now, to be honest with you, feel sorry for yourself because your son is away from the Lord or your daughter's away from the Lord and you want you want to tell everybody about it. You know, my son's doing this and, the, and I don't know. What to, but when was the last time, and I'm being straight, but when was the last time you spent... A mile away, and you put that son or that daughter on the top of the list, and you got a hold of God that night for your son or your daughter. You you went in the deep intercession. You prayed against the powers of darkness that was coming against that son or that daughter. Let me tell you something. I got news for you. I am convinced that moms have a whole lot more power than they realize when it comes to where their kids are in in their condition with the Lord. Yeah, I think they hung up on me, operator. Yes, if you wouldn't mind, check that line for me. Come on, somebody say amen. All right. All right, we only got a couple more here. Somebody say hallelujah. Oh, well, thanks a lot. All right, right, Second Kings chapter 22. Thanks, Pat. I got a good amen corner in my pastor this morning. God bless him. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Now, can you imagine that? That's pretty impressive. And, and by the way, let me just give you a real, real quick little thing. Josiah ended up being the greatest reformer Israel ever had. And he started off eight years old. Don't tell me, don't, don't tell me kids can't make a difference for the kingdom. Okay? Okay. I remember when I was in, uh, you know, I, I, I was a little 12-year-old preacher, and I, people used to make fun of, oh, you, you can't do anything at 12 years old. And I remember on the front page of the newspaper the very next day, after somebody had really racked, of course, my mom and dad were not saved. They thought I was, a, you know, an idiot and all this stuff. Well, on the front page of Dayton Daily News, it had a, a, a picture of a 12-year-old kid who had just been ordained into the first church of Satan. It was on the Dayton Daily News front page. And I looked at and think, well, now isn't that funny? You can be a Satanist, you can be a drug pusher, you can sell dope, you can get drunk, you can fornicate, you can produce babies when you're 12, go around and nobody thinks a thing about it. But if you start preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, oh, you're not able to handle that. Yeah, you, know, you can't do it. Let me tell you something, folks, you don't have to be a nasty, wicked drug addicted gang member that's been spending fourteen years in prison to be able to have a good testimony. I'll tell you what a good testimony is. Jesus saved me from all that. I got saved before I started doing it. the worst thing I did was start I, I stole a bag of M and M's, that type of says so, well that's not a very good testimony. Now I'll tell you what a good testimony is I'll tell you what a good testimony is. God saved you from all that junk. You don't have to get on that end of it, amen? And that's where Josiah was. Man, he didn't have to get out there in all that junk. And you know what? Can you imagine what kind of mommy he had? Well, it says that her name was Jedediah. Uh, Am I pronouncing that right? And the daughter of uh, Adaiah, the, of of Boskath. Uh, I uh, was... Uh, Uh, I'm glad that um, in Ohio, they don't pronounce these names uh, like they do here in California. (laughs) But notice what it says. He did that which was what? Right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the way of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Wow, what a kid. I would have loved to have known that kid. But his mom's name is Beloved. And I was thinking about that and thinking, what an interesting name. Because you know what? This mother had a little characteristic that I like to bring out. And that is, this is a mother who's found her confidence and her security and her happiness in Christ and not in her kids. You know, remember that passage in Song of Solomon says, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. You know, it's never right for you as a mother to find your fulfillment in anyone else other than Jesus. And that's including your children, mom. The fact is, no child deserves that kind of pressure. Are you listening to me? Our children never were never designed by God to be the source of fulfillment. It's only the Lord God who fits those those shoes. Children should help us understand the heart that the Lord has for us, his children, and that's where you should find all your confidence and all your fulfillment and all your love. Your beloved, you are in him. Everything that you have, everything you ever will be is in him. Amen? All right, I only got a little bit more here. This is an interesting one. Amnon, Amnon was 22 years old. When he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem, his mother's name was Mesivimeth, the daughter of Hez, he, uh, Haraz of Jachba. And he, you, you know, I'll remember, I'll never forget, there's one of the kids that's in this, and I didn't have time to get in all of it. His name was Dodo. And he did that, which was What? Evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh did. The name means allied. That, that's someone that's your friend, your ally. A mother, and by the way, he does evil. Now listen, listen to this. This is interesting. A mother who wants to be your kid's best friend is not a mother. A big mistake some mothers make is an attitude. I hear this all the time. I want to be my kid's best friend. Well, that's to be commended in many ways. That's an admirable thought, but it only shows your lack of understanding of the importance of what it means to be a mother. Notice it's not Friends Day, okay? It's Mother's Day. (laughs) A friend can be a friend, but they can't be your mother. Being a friendly mother is one thing, but you're called to be a mother, and so you need to be one. Amen? Yes. Mother, you're not one of the girls. Thank you. <laughs> your son or your daughter doesn't need another friend. They need a mommy. Yeah. On, a mother who is not afraid to be honest and sometimes stinking hard nose, okay? When a friend won't be that way, but a mother can be that way because that's mom, okay? Your children need to have wholesome, godly, parental perspective on life, a voice of experience and reason, and they're not going to get that from a friend. You have a job as a mother. Don't be afraid to be rejected by your children they will learn one day that they really ended up only really having one friend. And uh, the Bible says that they're going to end up, in the end, rise up and call you blessed. That's why you hear all the time, the older I get, the smarter mom seems to get. Yeah. Amen? Parenting is more than being friends. It's preparing a child to become Self-sustaining. Now, I want you to consider this: the definition of a mother. This is the technical definition: is one who begets, or one who gives birth to, or nurtures and raises a child. Now, how many know that's a big difference from being a friend? Okay, you, 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 and and again, there's nothing wrong with having friendship. No, that's not. There's nothing wrong with being your child's friend, but a friendly mother, but just stop trying to not be a mom. That's the priority. Amen? In Proverbs, we read this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We've all heard that time and hundreds and hundreds of times. The word train there is the, the thought of, of putting a bridle on a horse and you pull him in a certain direction. And literally, that's the Hebrew word. You know, Hebrew words always are picture words. And so literally, bridle your child. And when there, it's just like you do this to a horse, and after you do it, so many times, you know, after a while, that horse responds. Now, and I'm, I'm sitting there last night as I'm working on this message, and I'm thinking... I never this never entered my mind till last night. I'm thinking, train up a child. And then all of a sudden all of a sudden I was thinking some picture I could put there. And I thought about a little child sitting on a potty, a training thing. Okay. And we all, every mother knows this. You know, you potty, you, you do what? You potty what? Potty train, and you know what? One of the potty train methods, and some of these I know we had them when when we had little ones. They had a little belt that you put on the potty, and you would you would belt your child to the potty. Y'all y'all do have you? They still got them things? I don't know. Maybe it's no longer legal in California. You can't belt your child to the potty. Okay. But then I thought it was interesting how the word is then. It says, train up a child in the way they should what? Go. Go. You ever ever heard, Mom, I got to go. go. Okay. Ever notice that we potty train our children so they know how to go all the rest of the life? Have have any of you men wondered, where'd you get the idea of going? Where'd you get that effort? Well, your mommy trained you. And, you know... You know, isn't it funny how some of us we don't we don't th- we we think really odd sometimes. as mother, you know, our our little ch- child comes up and it's uh, Monday morning. Mom, I don't want to go to school. Oh, really? Well, what's wrong? I'm just I'm just sick. Well, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm just sick. Well, and then of course you know what's going on. They just don't they don't just they just don't want to go to school. They're not really sick. But um, you say, you know what? You're going to go to school. And, well, what's wrong? Oh, I just feel really sick. Well, here, won't you stick your finger in your throat and just start throwing up? And, and so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to do... Well, anyway, let's just say they throw up. Then they throw up, and you say, now, don't you feel better? Now go to school. Well, it's funny because... The next morning, the next week, when it's Sunday morning, Mom, I don't want to go to church. Oh, okay. Well, I won't make you go to church because I'm afraid if I force you to go to church, then you're gonna you're gonna hate God. And I well, I would never want to make you hate God. And you know, people have told us that these kids that grow up and they learn that their parents made them go to church. But you know, it's so funny because the next night. When it's bedtime, I don't want to go to bed. Or the next day, I don't want to take a bath. I don't want to take a shower. Well, wouldn't it be funny for mom to say, oh, well, I wouldn't want to make you go take a bath because I'm afraid if I force you to take a bath, you'll grow up to hate baths. You know? Or, I don't want to go to sleep. Oh, well, honey, I'll, there's no way I'd force you to go to sleep because maybe if I'd force you to go to sleep, you'd grow up to hate to go to sleep. And so I wouldn't do. But why does it make sense that you don't want to make your kids go to church? But you'll make them take a bath. You'll make them eat their food. You'll make them Do their homework. You'll make them go to school. You'll make them make their bed. You'll make them carry the garbage. That wouldn't be, oh, well, honey, I wouldn't ever want to force you to carry the garbage. You'll grow up to hate to carry garbage out, and your house will be full of garbage for the rest of your life. It'll be my fault that I've done this to you. No, but you know, the devil just has a way of doing it. Well, the problem is sometimes we're trying to be friends when, you know what? You don't need a friend always when it comes to raising. Amen? All right, well, let's give you one more here and we'll wrap this up. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, and he reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah. Now, it says he did that which was what? Right, in the sight of the Lord. Abijah means worshiper of God. Now, here's something I think is interesting. The Bible tells us, and we, there's probably about 20 of these. Every single one of them have a story behind them. If you want to raise a child that's going to do right, you know what? You need to give them an attitude about what it really means to love on the Lord and to desire Him. Probably nothing more important to a child than to be in a home that has an atmosphere of heaven in it. Every child should have a privilege to see a mother kneeling and praying in the living room or seeing mom raising her hands in the kitchen with tears of joy running down her cheeks as she's worshiping God. And it isn't in church on Sunday. It's in the middle of the house on Thursday afternoon. If the only time your children see you worshiping God is in the church building, then they're going to think that God isn't anywhere but in a church building. That's why they notice that it was kind of odd. Mom gets real spiritual when we pull into the driveway of the church. And then we pull into the church, and then she raises her hands, and she talks in tongues. You know, let me tell you something. If this is the only time your kids ever see that, it's a wrong impression. Are you listening to what I'm saying Mom, make your house a house of worship. You need to play Christian music and sing and dance and praise and shout unto the Lord right in your home. Your kids kids need to hear you talk in tongues in the living room. They need to see you laying hands on, on other people in your house, not just in the altar area, in church. Amen? Give your child a Christianity to remember. <coughs> and with that in mind, I think this is such a wonderful passage. John said it this way, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And maybe, just maybe, there are some of you mothers here that might want to take the heart how you might be able to be a vital role in that. I told you that was the last one, but I do want to tell you about one more mother who raised a king. And uh, very interested in what her name meant. Now, I did not do this until early this morning. When I got this morning, I was putting the finishing touches, and I was trying to think of a way to wrap this message up. And then I thought about Mary. Now, I thought that Mary, the name was something different. And here we read, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin, a spouse to a man, who was named—his name was Joseph—and the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, I had just took it for granted because I was thinking that'd be neat. I could talk about Mary and how she was so pure and all that. But you know, I was shocked to find out that Mary means rebellion, and here she is a derivative of Miriam, and you think, well, how could that be so? But you know what's interesting? When you read this account in Luke, after the angel Gabriel appears to her, and she is told that her cousin also is with child, they get together, and as she approaches, she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my what? Now, wait a minute. All of you from Catholic backgrounds, that may sound odd to you because you've been taught that Mary was sinless, that Mary was without sin. She was immaculately conceived. But here she's calling God her Savior, which if, if God needed to be her Savior, then that means she was lost. She needed to get saved too. He, She goes on to say, He hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. Well, you know what's so amazing about this is that when Jesus came and died on the cross, he died for Mary. He gave his life for Mary could be saved so God would become her Savior. Here is a woman that in all cases was handpicked by the Lord himself saying, I want this girl. But you know what? There is a characteristic of all of us, and that is there's something in our hearts. It's called rebellion. Every one of us are born with that. There's something inside of us. Now, can you imagine as Mary first took a look at the little tiny feet of her little child, Jesus, and that's one of the most wonderful things is when you first get that little baby. And most, most people do this. They look at their fingers and they look at their toes and they look how cute the, the hands and the feet and how small and, and cute they are. But you know what? She lived long enough to see those precious feet nailed to a cross. And I want you to know something. Mary needed that because she needed that blood to be shed for her sins. That's why we read in the passages about her saying that God was her Savior. There was a song, and with this we'll wrap this up, that uh, Mark Lowry wrote many years ago. It's normally sung during Christmas time, but it goes like this Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And how is that done, folks? It was done because that little baby was the Lamb of God. And any mother... And, and did you hear the girls here? Oh, there's just, there's just something about that little cute, little innocent, that little cute thing that God picked to say that was, that's what must be killed, so that man's sin can be atoned for. For hundreds and hundreds thousands of years, these little tiny, spotless lambs. These little, the most innocent of little animals. And they couldn't be deformed or something messed up with them. They had to be the, the pick of the flock. They had to be the best. And they were to have their throats sliced and their blood shed and poured out as a type and a picture of one day the Messiah would come and who would be just as precious and spotless and as pure and as innocent. And guess what? Was loved by some mother one day. But Mary had to watch as her son's blood was shed, knowing that that was the only way. And let me tell you something. When John saw him, and he looked, he says, there is the Lamb of God. And notice this, it says, takes away the sin of the world. See, that's what the blood of little animals couldn't do. It could only temporarily cover but this blood took away sin. It sheds, its blood was his blood was shed so it might take away sin. And if you're sitting here right now as a mother, you need a Savior. You need your sin to be taken away. As a father, as a son, as a daughter, every one of us have one thing in common. Mom, dad, son, daughter, every one of us. Our sinners. Our nature is rebellion. Little Mary, sweethearted, hearted hand-picked mother of Jesus. Nobody had to teach Mary when she was newborn how to be rebellious. It was in her nature. Mary needed a Savior. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. We all. And who came to do it? That precious Son of God, the Lamb of God. Would you please bow your head for a moment? I just read a couple days ago that outside of Christmas and Easter, that the number one most attended holiday in church is the celebration of Mother's Day. And when Carolyn had read that, we were in the car, and all four of us had commented, Carolyn and I and the two kids, and uh, it became a joke a little bit about, uh, about Father's Day, but, you know, there's something about mom that r- brings us back to the heart of God. And there's something about it this morning, because there might be some of you here this morning that maybe normally you are not a, not a church attender. Maybe you don't normally go to church on, on days, but you're here today to maybe honor your mommy. And love on your mommy. Or maybe you are a mother and you're here today. You know, this is a wonderful day for you to get your heart right with God. It's a day for you to understand that there's a side of our God that was put inside the heart of every mother. The Bible says that God created male and female after his image created he them. The characteristic of God could not be made clear enough in a man, in a father. It had to also be made manifested in a female, in a mother. That's not sacrilegious, that's a fact. There are actually passages in the Bible that talk about how God's love is exactly like the love of a mother. And how he woos those to himself. Maybe you're sitting here and you've had a a mother or father that probably wasn't really good. Maybe a situation in your home where you uh, have been uh, cut off for something or the other. But the heart of God is a heart of the most perfect mother the perfect father you could ever imagine. And his heart is coming toward you today with a drawing message of love saying, would you respond? His life was laid down as an indication that says all of us need a Savior. We all need to be redeemed. We all need to be taken away from our rebellious character and nature. And yet God is tender, he's not forceful, but like a heart of a tender mother, it cries to you and says, would you come back? And if you would respond to that today, you would find that his love is unmeasurable and forgiving and offers to you a chance that every one of you truly want. Every one of us want our mothers to love us. Every one of us, as mothers that are here, every one of you mothers want to have that love back from your children. And you know, that's how it is with the Lord. He loves you in a way that can't be measured in just a man. But at the same time, you must respond back to that love to him. I would ask that you do that right now. While you're sitting in this little moment of time, would you please say in your heart, Lord, I'm going to stop running. I'm going to stop ignoring and pushing away your love and your appeal to me. And I'm going to come back home. And I'm going to return my love back to you, Lord. One thing is for sure. There's prisons right here within just a few miles that there are men that are rough, hard-nosed murderers that they would love to have a mommy that would wrap their arms around them right now and melt them down. That's just something about us. It doesn't matter how deep in sin you have gone. That love that God offers to you is an unconditional love. Nothing that Any could ever compare to a mother with the most loving way she could show herself. God loves you, my friend. Would you just leave your heads bowed for a moment? I'm going to ask Pastor to come and close the service as he would. But we look forward to seeing you back here on Monday night as we talk about some end time events. I ask that you do your best to be with us. But just leave your heads bowed for just a moment as Pastor comes.
1: amen. So while you're praying as John was speaking about the mother and training the child and that word training meaning as we put the bit in the horse's mouth and you teach them to follow direction and guidance. Some of you here today feel God's hand upon you and you feel him training you, pulling you to him in this direction. We train our children because it's unnatural for them to just do what comes natural to them. Train our children how to go to the bathroom because it's, it's natural when they're young, but it's not natural to stay in that place and We live in a society that says just leave them alone. If you let your children just leave them alone, sooner or later they'll learn from that. And we've taken the training off of almost everything. And then we come in touch with God, and God is still the trainer of our lives. And we feel this pulling in this direction, pulling us, and it seems different. But God never intended us to continually go through life. Just When we're left to ourself, our life, it's a different kind. But when we're just left to ourself without any training, we mess ourselves. And our life turns into a mess. And it has a a foulness about it, an uncleanness about it. But God comes and He washes us. The promise of God's Word is that though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Jesus said, I'll wash you by the washing of the water of the Word. God offers cleansing to us. And I feel like there are those here today and you're feeling God pulling on your heart. and You feel that bridle of God turning you towards Him, pulling you towards Him. God draws us to Him. I'm just going to ask you quickly, just if you're here today and you feel God pulling on your heart, would you just get up from where you are and quickly move to this altar and Find a place where you could kneel and just say yes to God with your life. Just move quickly. I feel God's moving on some hearts. Just follow that leading. God's training you. He's directing you. He's pulling you in the direction that's best for your life. The same way your mother would nurture you and train you for success so you would grow to be self-sufficient. God's pulling you into that place of health and healing for your life. feel like there's somebody God's pulling on. I'm waiting for you. Please come. Say yes to God. Yield. Yield to God today. Say yes to Him. Just find a place of prayer that you would kneel and say, God, I need your direction in my life. I need your direction in my life. Anybody at all? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Anybody else? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just wait for a moment. If every Christian would just be praying right now, God's pulling on some hearts. It's hard. Bible's very clear. There's two directions. God tries to pull you towards truth. And you have an adversary who wants to be the trainer of your soul as well. The devil wants to rule over your life. He wants to steer your life to hell. His number one goal is to take every soul he can to hell. To continually pull you away from God's direction for our life. He begins so early. He causes us to rebel against the nurturing of our parents. Teaches us how to resist. I feel God's still pulling on some hearts. I just would wait a moment just move find a place just a place of prayer to say yes to god just to say yes to god to trust him we learn to trust our mom we can lay in their arms we trust them and john shared that little illustration that little baby and that mama abusing that child but something in him said mama you're supposed to be the one i can trust and would reach up to the mother who was abusing him and because it was supposed to be the place he could trust. There's something in us that tells us that we can trust God. You can trust him today, my friend. Just say yes. Move towards him. If you reach out towards him, he will never hit your hand away. He will never push you away. He's the healer and the restorer. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for the hearts you're touching today. Lord, I know that it's hard, it's awkward. And just like John said, it seems there there's so many reasons that we have and justifications for doing the wrong, and then we find such fault when it comes to doing the right, and it, We get embarrassed about this area, of stepping out and moving towards you, but we're not embarrassed in these other areas. Father, I break the lies of the enemy. Help us to be open, responsive to what you have for our lives. I pray your blessing over your people today, Father. Bless them, keep them, nurture them. Father, bless our moms today. Again, we pray over them. We thank you for the gift that they are in our life and father help them teach them to be what you made them to be they reveal